Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Todd Palmer. Thanks for being on the show, Todd. Whitney, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have you on the show. Todd is a renowned thought leader, CEO, executive coach, and author who is committed to improving lives. A successful entrepreneur and business owner, he works with both individuals and companies to support corporate growth, foster business startups, and guide leaders in the areas of talent management, workforce planning, and organizational development. CEO of a six-time Inc. 5000 company, Todd knows the struggles that businesses face around the areas of people, cash, strategy, and execution. Through his firm, Extraordinary Advisors, Todd is able to guide leaders into programs of sustained profitability. And Todd, thanks again for your time and being on the show. I know our listeners are are you know looking for that path to that sustained profitability? You know, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, you know, give them a little more about you know who you are in case they haven't heard of you, and and let's dive in a little bit to how you you know this journey that how you got to where you're at now. Sure. Well, you know, and the path that you're talking about is never a straight line. It's never from point A to point B, super easy, super linear. No, it's it's riddled with landmines. It's uh, more of a corkscrew than a straight line of anything else. So. You know, I started my company, Diversified Industrial Staffing, gosh, in 1997 for literally $15,000. The business plan said I needed $150,000. And well, I got one of the three Fs, you know, friends, family, and fools to give me a little bit of money because I just had that, that wild hair to, to start a company. And it's been a super interesting journey. It's been so much differently than I would have projected 23 plus years ago when I got started. And, you know, we've had some great highs. We've had some incredible crashing lows. And what it's really taught me is that, you know, every step in this path, it teaches me how much better I can be, how much more resiliency I can have. And I know we, we talked earlier about a lot of the people listening today are kind of in that startup or early entrepreneurial stages. And, you know, when they hear, oh, my gosh, it's an Inc. 5000 six-time CEO, he must have had it easy. I'm here to tell you. It's been a rough road, but a very rewarding road. Nice, nice. So, you know, I'd love for us to dive in a little bit. You know, maybe you can elaborate on some of the landmines or some of the things, you know, from from your startup. You know, I know uh, just from our conversation a little bit, you, know, you mentioned all the landmines and it's, and, you know, even on the show, you mentioned it's it's not a straight path and not as easy yeah. as what everybody, you know, what it seems to look like when you see these people that are experiencing all this success. Well, that's that's when you happen to see them, right? And they got the big smile on their face on Facebook, you know? Uh, sure. But that, you know, that's what you see. That's right. That's what they want to promote. So, you know, can you elaborate on just your journey a little bit? And then and let's dive into how you how you manage to, you know, to either step over the landmine or either keep walking after you stepped on it, one or the other. Well, I think when you think about the landmines, there certainly was a lot of triage applied before the patient bled out. I'll tell you that much. So from my journey, it was really, it was a quick takeoff. So I started the company in 97 and the country was at full employment like it is today here in uh, you know 2019. I just didn't know that. There's a lot I didn't know. It's kind of like if I knew the journey I was going to take, would I have really taken it kind of thing. And with the first nine years, you know, we, we had some highs, we had some lows, but basically we we're doing pretty well. I mean, we we're making money by day 72. 
So we'd, we'd gotten a lot of things right. But what that did is it gave me also this false impression of success. And I, you know, I bought my first house. I was doing some cool things. And so I, I really thought I had it all figured out. Well, come about 2006, the company was really in a rocky spot. And we didn't know it at the time, but we were right at the start, tipping point of, of that, the big recession. And companies weren't hiring. We were taking out a lot of debt. My employees weren't performing. And, and I was suffering from imposter syndrome because I didn't want to tell anybody I didn't have it all figured out. I didn't want to tell anybody that I needed help. I just kind of really collapsed within myself. Well, by, 2000, by September of 06, the company was $600,000 in debt. We were about two months away from running out of all money, including all my personal money. Uh, the bank was knocking on our door, and I was in pretty bad shape from a leadership perspective. I wasn't going into the office. I was avoiding the difficult conversations. Well, I had hit my bottom, and I decided with the last few dollars I had, I actually went out and hired a coach, which you'd think, oh my gosh, uh, you're in bad shape. You're, you're basically bankrupt, and you're going to go out and now you're going to get help. It seems a little, a little crazy, but a lot of my friends who are successful athletes, successful actors... You know, some of the most successful actors will hire an acting coach when they can't pay their rent because they're that passionate about getting it right. And I'd kind of reached that point. So I hired my coach. We took a look at the finances. And he thought there were some things that were salvageable. Gave me, I plugged into his confidence. I plugged into his hope because I had no confidence and I was feeling pretty hopeless. And the big tipping point decision was I realized that I had trust issues with my team. And I had trust issues with myself. Well, I could fix the trust issues with myself by using the coach, reframing my mindset. But I couldn't fix the trust issues with my team. So on September 9th, I walked in and fired my entire company, and I started over. So at that point, we iterated a lot. I hired new people, got people bought into the, the concept of where I wanted to go, not where I had been. So I started hiring for DNA, not for resume. For a company like Diversified Industrial Staffing, I used to hire a lot of people with HR backgrounds, a lot of people with recruiting backgrounds. Well, I, I scrapped that. I hired people with restaurant retail, with great customer service thought processes. My most successful recruiter came, she was a medical office assistant. So I went contrary to what my industry had been doing. And within a year, we made the Inc. 5000 as one of America's most successful companies for the very first time. And then went on a great run rate of six out of the next seven years of being on the list. And while that's a cool story, and I'm, I'm very proud of the team, and what we accomplished, but I'm more importantly, I'm more prideful that we paid off all $600,000 in debt every single penny. And that's really, I think, the legacy that, that we've been able to leave with, not only with our vendors, but with our employees, with our bank. But it was a tough journey. Wow. Sounds like it. That, it's incredible, though, that you took that path of, you know, I mean, you were like at the bottom, but then you, you hired a coach and you turned things around. And, you know, but to elaborate, let's go back a little bit, the imposter syndrome, you know, you mentioned. Tell us what that is a little bit in case we're experiencing the same thing or, or in the future. Oh, sure. And I think that's an awesome question. I think it's important for entrepreneurs and for leaders to realize that we don't have to have all the answers all the time. I think a lot of entrepreneurs see themselves as we used to call it the smartest kid in the class. Well, you know, I'm the leader. It's my risk. I have to have all the answers. And the reality is there's so much more value driven where a group of 10 people are going in one direction versus a leader trying to go that direction by themselves and not communicating with their team. I find so much now the work I do with extraordinary advisors is getting leaders to get out of their own way, just like my coach did back in 06. And to clear the, you know, kind of get my act together to get the company to drive forward. And that is, you know, putting aside the masks we wear every day in the office, going to your team. I went to my team at the time saying, listen, I don't have all the answers. I have a vision of where I want to go. 
I want you guys to come with me, but we're going to have to figure out the map to get there together because we have to try a lot of different things. We have to iterate. We have to strategize. We have to test that strategy through execution. Things are going to work. Things aren't going to work. I have to create the safe space as a leader so that we can fail forward into success, not become debilitated by the mistakes we make. And we did that in a very comprehensive, very stumble forward, you know, three steps forward, two steps back method. But the team had to plug into them my belief that they weren't going to get criticized, they weren't going to get chastised, and that we could do this together. And as the, the imposter syndrome I was feeling before that shift was, I had to do it all by myself. Yeah, I really liked the statement too you mentioned. We don't have to have all the answers all the time. There's so much more value when 10 people are going in one direction than one person. That makes so much sense when you say it like that. Well, it, it is something I had to learn. It's, it's, so it's funny, like when I'm coaching my clients now, I'll tell them stories of, of crazy, crazy bad ideas I had and uh, some good ideas I had, but the things I had to learn. I had to learn that, you know, for so many of us, we were chasing the revenue line. Well, only 4.3% of companies ever become a million dollar company. And with nine out of 10 businesses failing, I mean, you're, the odds are, are challenging. But I, I've got a client right now that I work with, they're doing $800,000 in revenue, great numbers, but their margin is 400,000. They're killing it. You know, I know a lot of people in your real estate space, they want to have healthy margins. It's a good place to be and you don't want to have crazy operating costs or ego-driven salaries so that, you know, you, the bottom line is, I love the guys who are doing 800,000, making 400,000 at the bottom line. Good for them. They were more sophisticated in how they looked at solving problems than I did. Well, that required my coach shifting my mindset. Check, I was literally checking in with him every single day on the five positive things we did. I'd rather just be honest with your, your startup nation here and your early stage entrepreneurs saying, sometimes the most positive thing I did that day was get out of bed. Wow. So, you know, at this low, you know, you decided to hire a coach and uh, you mentioned, you know, many other people you know, that you knew that were entrepreneurs were hiring coaches were recommending hiring coaches. So even at that bottom, you know, how, how did you pick that coach? How did, how did you know, okay, this is the coach that, that I, you know, even though I'm in this position in the, financially as well, I'm going to go hire this person to, you know, I know they can help me. So I interviewed a bunch of coaches. Uh, I talked to a bunch of people. And what I discovered is most of the coaches that I was talking to had never ran their own company. Most of the coaches had never had skin in the game. Most of them had never had the setbacks that I had. The coach I ended up working with grew a company. He started it for $2 million and grew it to $500 million. He had skin in the game. He had ex expertise and experience. He had, had used a franchise model. So he was used to working with the crazy people that are entrepreneurs. Or even he used to call them entrepreneurs. Like they, they want to be an entrepreneur, but their risk tolerance is so low, they'd just rather buy a franchise from him, which was great. And it was a real vetting process. And, I, and so, like when I, when I get approached nowadays to coach people, and the, the typical question ultimately becomes, why should I hire Todd? And on my side of the fence, I'm thinking, why should I work with you? And we have to reach a mutual understanding. So, I always say to clients, if you're going to work with me, realize I'm a lifelong learner, recognize that. My job is to tell you the truth. I work for the entity, not for the CEO. So I'm going to tell you things like, don't spend that money. Don't do this. Do that. Do this. Do that. And my coach did the same thing for me. I'm like, hey, we had a great year. I should go out and celebrate. He's like, no, no. Address your debt service. No. Sometimes we just need the coach to point things out to us. So for me, it was getting somebody that ultimately I could trust. And he actually, in his own way, had coaches in his life, in my own way, since 06, I've always had a coach in my life. I've changed over the course of time as my life has adjusted. 
but I believe in it so strongly. The coach I used was a big, he was a college golfer. He had a swing coach. That's really what, you know, like this guy is investing in what's important to him. He cares about what he's doing. He's putting his money where his mouth is, not only for his business, but for his personal life. This is the guy I need to work with. I can relate to so many things you just said, and I, I, I highly recommend getting a coach as well. I know when I got a coach, that's when I experienced so much more growth. But something else you said, you said you checked in with your coach every day. Mm-hmm. And I, I can relate to that as well. When when I first started, you know, with a coach, I noticed, you know, I mean, I was just kind of checking in every once in a while, maybe once a month, something like that. And I noticed in this, you know, my relationship, it's up to me, you know, to reach out or, or to schedule those times and things like that. But I noticed a few other guys that he was coaching. We all know each other to some extent. We're experiencing a lot of success. And so, you know, I was talking to them and almost interviewing them and they were talking to this coach almost weekly at least. Yeah. You know, and so I was like, okay, you know, well, I need to start talking to him at least weekly. And sure enough, you know, I started just every week, even if I didn't have anything to talk about almost, you know, I just, you know, but it would help motivate me and drive me and even keep me through the week thinking about that call that's coming up and helping me to, you know, generate. Is is that, you know, how you experience that as well? I love your insight. It's one of those situations, the coach I currently use, he's actually a neuroscientist. He's on the West Coast in San Diego and he's literally, he's literally a doctor. Like he's an MD. He's a, he can literally tell me what's going on in my thought process by just me talking about and what's firing, what's not firing. And I would, you know, when we first started working together, I would try to cancel a call. He's like, just, just call me. We'll find something to talk about. You've already paid me. Just call me. And um, he's brilliant. He's just because I, we'd have such, so many light bulb moments, so many aha experiences. And I'm like, so now, like I got, I got a call within today. I've already got my agenda written down, my itinerary laid out. But I just talked to him 10 days ago impromptu because I had an issue come up. And I think that for me, that's the kind of coaching I like to do. And I know there are coaches that that do a a certain kind of platform, a certain kind of program. They can do the quarterly meetings and sometimes they check in with the CEO. There's nothing wrong with that. For me, I'm a very passionate guy. I want to walk the path of my entrepreneurs. I'd rather be more engaged than less engaged. And so my pricing platform, it's one price, as little or as much as you want to use me. Um, we have a structure to it, but there's a lot of freedom and flexibility in there. And because I found that that works best for me, like you're saying, it's like, I, you know, these little, I mean, all these 15, 20 minute conversations with my guy and these little nuggets just come at me. And now I'm using it, it, the coaching methodology, not only for my clients in their businesses, but I'm getting calls. Hey, listen, I'm having this, this problem with my teenager or my wife and I have some discord or my husband and I have some challenges. And we just talk through how to reframe that so that they can be present in their business because we can we can all talk about work-life balance and that's great if somebody's actually cracked the code on that i've not seen it it's all about work-life integration wherever we are especially as entrepreneurs wherever we are our work is with us wherever we are our family and our, our loved ones were with us there's never that pure separation it's an integration so sometimes you, you've got like holy cow i'm all up and crazy uh business problems are hitting me left and right uh, i just yelled at my family <sighs> I need to step back. Hey, Todd, you got 10 minutes. Sure. Nice. No, I appreciate you elaborating on that. You know, earlier too, you mentioned within one year, you made the Inc. 500 list. And that's after firing your team, after being on this really, you know, low time and, you know, financially and just business-wise, and then you hired this coach. So what were, you know, outside of maybe hiring the coach, what were a few things that really pushed you to, to that success that fast? So for me, it was, was really changing who I hired. We created a program called Hire for DNA, Not for Resume. 
So we got good people on our team. We trained them to be good recruiters. That was a big shift. Then we drilled that in. And as a collective, we created the company culture. It wasn't just my culture. I certainly was a big part of the conversation, but we came up with culture points that tied into everybody who was on the team. That was kind of their stake in the game. And then they all had stories to tell off those culture points. Then we changed how we measured the business. We measured it on the profitability of the account, not on the revenue of the company. Certainly there has to be revenue, but it, you know, if, if, if I'm billing out a dollar and I'm spending 95 cents, do I really have revenue? Uh, there's got to be the appropriate margin. And then we, we stop being a low cost. You know, there's two worlds we can operate in. We can be a low cost provider or we can be a premium provider. We try the low cost model. We got our butts handed to us and our, we got kicked out of the game by our competitors because we couldn't match their infrastructure. So we decided to pivot, become a premium provider. What that required my salespeople to do was to sell completely differently, very consult, consultative. So this is in the recession. And we're a staffing company where the country's at a 15% unemployment number and we're growing, very contrarian. We did that by saying to our customers, you know, if you could hire one person, even in bad times, even in manufacturing in the automotive city here in Detroit, who would you hire? And they, we kept getting back two or three different categories. If I could get a CNC machinist who could do this, I'd make room on my team. I would go to management and get the money for them because these guys are unicorns. Okay, great. Well, unicorn is pretty hard to find. You know, that's going to cost more than your average line worker. No problem. Okay, wait a minute. So I found an area where there's increased demand and diminished supply. And someone's agreed to let me charge them more for it. Now, it took us a while to figure that out with the different questions, but I had to empower the team. So we changed how we measured them. We didn't measure them on results. We measured, measured them on activity. So, I mean, I know I've said a lot of different things to, to your audience today, meaning it just wasn't one silver bullet. It was trying a lot of different things, seeing what worked and what did it. But as the leader, it was my job to create an atmosphere we call a safe space so those, the staff could try a bunch of different things, report back on a daily basis at our huddles. This is what worked and this is what didn't work. Wow. Yeah. Many great nuggets there. You know, and one thing I like, though, uh, many things, but, you know, you mentioned you, know, you asked pretty much you asked the client who they would hire and that's right. who you went and found. I mean, you you filled that void without just having your own thing over here. You're trying to sell. You went to the client and said, okay, what do, what are you going to hire? I mean, who, who do you need? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, and I actually learned that from a buddy of mine who was in the restaurant space. He said, you know, uh, I may think my restaurant concept is the greatest Italian restaurant in the world. Well, if I'm going to open it in a town where there's 15 Italian restaurants, chances of me succeeding are probably pretty small. Maybe I should look at a different area or because I still want to own a restaurant. So my intention is to own a restaurant. If my expectation is the only way I can own a restaurant is to have an Italian restaurant in a town with 15 other Italian restaurants where the population isn't going to support it, then I'm going to fail. So a lot of what we did, going back to the diversified story, and we've talked about with our clients today, is what is your intention, not your expectation? If your intention is to have a successful recruiting business, if your expectation is the only way you're going to do it is being a low-cost provider with Kelly's World, Kelly Services World Headquarters a mile from your office, you're setting yourself up to fail flat out, I've lived it, I've done it, did not work. My intention is to have a successful recruiting company. Why don't we find out what the marketplace needs and ask them? If we ask enough people and we keep getting the three to five data points back continually, then we're onto something. 
you know, and I can relate this to like the syndication business and our, our clients are raising capital, you know, meeting with investors and things like that, you know, and there are clients. And so why not ask them that, you know, the types of things they're looking for in a, a syndicator or in, in our type of business, you know, and, and be able to, to know what they're looking for exactly instead of trying to create what we think they want. Well, I think going back to the imposter syndrome, I think the, I have an idea. I know my idea is brilliant. Why? Because my mom told me how smart I was. And my wife thinks I'm a genius. And so this is the only way to do it. The reality is, you know, if people will watch shows like Shark Tank and The Profit. Watch, if you really listen to a lot of the investors, they invest in the entrepreneur, not always their idea. And they want to change the idea because the idea has no market relevance. But they like the entrepreneur. They believe in the entrepreneur. At the end of the day, whether you're, you're hiring an employee, whether you're investing your money in someone, we make decisions based upon the emotional connections and relatability we have with somebody. And then we justify it with logic more often than not. Todd, you know, we're, we're running low on time. We could talk about this all day. I, bl- I know. But, you know, what advice do you give like a, a new startup or a new business owner? Obviously, we're in the real estate space. We're talking to investors. We're purchasing commercial properties. But, you know, all entrepreneurs experience uh, or have to step over or step through landmines, right? And so, you know, how, how do we work through some of that just quickly? You know, give us some pointers and how to be successful and through those things. I think a universal decision, whether it's human capital space where I'm at, manufacturing where I've been, or real estate, I think you want to make data-driven decisions. If the deal doesn't make sense, then don't do it. If there's not enough margin, if the juice isn't worth the squeeze, then don't do it. Unless you know with your expertise, you can go in and turn that property around with a couple of small, inexpensive tweaks. Right? I mean, if it's, a, if it's a seller's market, I would say think about where else you can place your cash until it becomes a buyer's market. Nice. So what's the one thing you would say has contributed to your success? You know, I think that the biggest thing for me is the pivot I made going from the imposter syndrome to re- leaning into the uncomfortable. And I created this, this kind of this moniker for myself that I tell my clients, it's called ATV. And it's not a four-wheeled fun vehicle to ride. It's authenticity, transparency, and vulnerability. Whether I'm on stage, I mean, I spoke in front of 2,000 people in Mexico where most of the people did not speak English. And the vulnerability in which I share the stories, the transparency, the authenticity. And I find if I can get my leaders, I have a client who makes fun of me every time we do our quarterly meeting. He goes, who are you going to make cry today? Because if I can get the leadership team to speak from the heart or speak from their fear or speak from their concern, and they're able to bring that emotion to the service, the rallying and the galvanizing of those teams is incredibly powerful. It goes back to the statement, if you've got 20 people going in one direction as a cohesive unit, it's much more powerful than one lone gun trying to go out there and take on the world. Wow. Well, Todd, unfortunately, we're about out of time, but tell the listeners how you like to give back. You know, I think for me, the, going back to being authentic, transparent, and vulnerable, I love to have these type of conversations. I'm super appreciative of our time today and the great questions you've asked. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to offer to your audience, anybody who has heard me on your program today, just go to my website, extraordinaryadvisors.com. Again, extraordinaryadvisors.com. Go to the contact us page. Send me a message saying you want to have a half hour consultation for free. Just mention you heard me on today's program and I'm happy to do that. We can talk about cash. We can talk about people, mindset, strategy, execution, anything they want. That's really my thank you to the coaches who helped me over the course of time and my give back to your audience today. And I appreciate you allowing me to do that. Sure. No, our, our pleasure. We appreciate your time, Todd. Any other way that you'd like to tell the listener how they, how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you? 
Well, you know, I'm on social media. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. Reach out to me. I've had a lot of, it's amazing how many people will, will check in with me on Facebook from around the globe. I've got people from Africa and from, it's just, Technology is so amazing nowadays. I love our global entrepreneur economy. So I'm very accessible. I love having the conversation. I'm very passionate about helping others. And it's, it's really my way of going back to improving lives, which is what I learned from working with this guy nobody had heard of 12 years ago, Simon Sinek, who's now this international uh, rock star in the leadership space. And he really did teach me that it really is the give back and the legacy we create in others. And again, if I can help people, I'd love to do that. Wow. Wow. Thanks so much, Todd. I know I've learned a lot and I know the listeners have as well. I appreciate the listeners being with us today and every day. And I hope you'll come back tomorrow. I hope you'll leave us a rating and review and go to LifeBridge Capital. Connect with me. I'm happy to help you as well any way I can. Go to the Facebook group, The Real Estate Syndication Show. We will talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.